are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Re'eh, Erev Rosh Kodesh, Elo, Rabbi Sai. Tonight is the first day of Rosh Kodesh Elo, which means we are on a growth path, heading straight up through El to Rosh Hashanah. So first, a warm, warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you so, so much for joining us today as we get ready for another amazing Shabbos. Every Shabbos is amazing. But of course, Shabbos Rosh Chodesh is a double crown of a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. And we need to get ourselves ready. We need to think about as Elul approaches, as Shabbos approaches, what are we going to do to improve ourselves? What are we going to do to make ourselves ready to stand before HaKadosh Baruch Hu in just 20, 30 days from now or so on, on, uh, was it four weeks and one day or something till, till we get to, to Rosh Hashanah. So let's talk. The Pasha talks about, Hashem says, I place before you today, the greatest bracha in, in the world. Esa bracha, what is the bracha? That you listen to Hashem, your, your God. You do the mitzvah, that is the greatest reward that a person can get. So let's talk a little bit about the concept of reward, how it relates to mitzvahs and how we are supposed to relate, in fact, to the performance of, of mitzvahs. So there's a famous Gemara. In Babu Kama, Daf Pezayin, where Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, we know, was blind. And therefore, according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, a blind person is actually exempt from doing mitzvahs. He's not required to do mitzvahs. So Rav Yosef said, originally, I would have told, I would have said, that if someone tells me that the halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, who says that a blind person is exempt from mitzvahs, and I still do mitzvahs, I would have made a special celebration of Yom Tov for all the rabbis. Right? Why? My time and what's the reason? Because even though I'm not commanded to do it, I still do all the mitzvahs. Right? Even though I'm, I'm doing this as a volunteer. So therefore, I want to get so much reward. Even though I'm not commanded, I'm doing it. <clears throat> but now that I heard the statement of Rabbi Hanina, and Rabbi Hanina says that someone who is commanded to do a mitzvah and does it is greater than someone who's not commanded and does it, then all the way around, if someone would come and tell me that Allah is not like Rabbi Yehuda, and that in fact a blind person is obligated to do mitzvahs, so then I would make a tremendous yom tov for the Rabbanon. Why? Because if I'm commanded, now you're telling me I'm going to get so much more reward, so I'd rather be commanded, so I'm hoping that someone will teach me that the Allah is that a blind person is obligated to do mitzvahs. It seems that this whole matter is very, very, very strange and very, very difficult. Was was that what Rav Yosef was worried about? Did Rav Yosef do mitzvahs? Did Rav Yosef serve his creator in intending to get reward? But we know there's an explicit Mishnah in, in Pirkei Avos. Don't be out, you kavadim. Don't be like slaves who serve the master in order to get reward. On the contrary, have kavadim be like servants who serve the master without intending to get rewards. So if so, what's all this uh, is, is, is joy and his and his and his happiness that he would get more reward for doing it or less less reward? Surely we have to serve our Kaddish Baruch Hu, that uh, not without any unconditionally without any desire to get to get any any reward. So therefore, how come Rav Yosef 
uh, made all of his of, of his simch, all of his happiness dependent that he should get more more rewards than 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 if he didn't than, he, than if he wasn't uh, commanded. This is the question we're going to open with, and we're going to leave you to think about it for a few seconds while we take our, our first break. And please, God, when we come back after the break, we're going to develop a concept of what reward is and when and in what circumstances one can perhaps hope for reward. This is 11.9, Chai FM, the program is soul to soul. Please stay with us. There's so much more coming down. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Re'eh, Erev Roish Kodesh, Elo, that starts as Shabbos starts. <coughs> so we are dealing with a very, very important question. If we are supposed to be serving Hashem altruistically, not hoping or expecting or looking forward to any rewards. How do we understand this Gemara? A Rav Yosef who was blind, trying to decide, should I rather do mitzvahs as someone who's not commanded to do it, thinking that I would get more reward as a volunteer? And then when I found out that it's, you one gets greater reward if one is commanded, now I want to do it as a person who's commanded. What's the difference? Surely the bottom line is to do the mitzvahs because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do, to do the mitzvahs. So perhaps we can un- try to understand this by introducing it. There's a, another Gemara, a Gemara in Avodah Daf Yud Zayin, which talks about Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Yonason, famous Gemara. Rabbi Hanina and Yonason were traveling on the roads and they got to a crossroad. And the crossroad, there were two paths. One led past a, a, a house of, of uh, idol worship. And the second was a path that went past a house where there were very, very, very indecent uh, women around. And these two Chachamim uh, were discussing which path would it be better for them to go on. One claimed, let's particularly go on the the one that goes past the idol worship. Because by idol worship, there is no longer, at that time, there was no longer a desire for idol worship. Our rabbis had, had prayed that although before idol worship was something that was incredibly, incredibly compelling, we don't even begin to understand the, the draw and the magnetic pull that idol worship had. But by that time, it was no longer uh, such a such a, a, a situation. In fact, uh, as Rashi says, the the desire for Avodah had had been shattered, had been slaughtered by the Anshin and so therefore, he says, let's rather go on, on that, uh, on that path, because that is a path where we're not going to be tested so much. Right? Because there's not such a great pull for, for Avaidazara. And the other one said, no, let's particularly, uh, uh, go to the one where the, the, uh, illicit women are, are hanging out and we will be able to control ourselves. We will rule over our Yetzirah and not, God forbid, do anything, anything wrong. Right? And uh, we'll get tremendous reward. We'll be in a, we'll have a test. We'll be in a test situation. We'll overcome the test and we'll get tremendous reward for that. At the end, what did they do when they when they got there? They saw the or the sorry the the ladies saw them and they they ran away they ran away from 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 them. Now from this Gemara it seems that a person should if he has to make a choice what which path he should go on he should rather choose to go to the place where he's going to have to fight a battle against his Yetzirah and control it, and that would be in order that he should get the tremendous reward that one gets for <coughs> overcoming and controlling his Yetzirah. And again, we have the same question. Surely, 
it's incumbent upon a person to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu not intending to get reward. Why would you think, why is it it's so important that we should prefer to go to the place, have the test, be in a, in a situation of confrontation, overcome it in order to get, to get, uh, to get rewards. Therefore, we need to say that when Antigos in Sorcha says that we should serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, not with the intention of serving rewards, that's referring to the fulfillment of positive mitzvahs. When a person sits down, I don't know, to, to learn Torah or to fulfill any other mitzvah, so then you should not do it for any other purpose any non-altruistic purpose, even if that is rewards, but one should only do it, L'Shem Shemayim, only because HaKadosh Baruch Hu told us to do it. However, that's only in the realm of Asetayv. When we're commanded to do things, those things you must do positively. However, in the other components, what we call Sur Meira, the, the, uh, the need for us to turn away and hold ourselves back and be strong against not violating anything that the Torah tells us not to do, where we have to overcome our, our Yetzirah. So because of the tremendous difficulty in, in controlling and being victorious over our, our Yetzirah. So in that realm, it's better to, 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 uh, to accept the challenge and think about the reward one's going to get for his overcoming his Yetzirah. And that's in fact the whole purpose of what we call Yiras Ha'inish, a person having an awe of God's punishment, that he knows that in the future he's going to be punished for his sins and he's going to get tremendous reward if he's able to outsuck, if he's able to hold back and not and not allow the Yetzirah to, to control him. And it's true that Rabbi Yosef, we said, was was blind. And we have a, a standing rule that the Yetzirah doesn't control us unless we have the ability to see things. It's the sight that creates the desire to do something something wrong. Right? We as as it says, I in Roya, the eye sees something desirable. And then the lave chaymate, the heart desires it, has a tremendous pension for it. And then clean myself agomrim. And then the rest of the body, the hands, the feet, the, the body's organs then go and perform the, the, the issue. So we see the whole power of the Yetzirah is only through the eyes. And therefore, Rabbi Yosef, who was blind, he didn't have such a, a huge fight against his, his Yetzirah because he didn't have that inlet of, 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 of seeing things that would create the great degree of, of temptation. And therefore, Rabbi Yosef wanted and asked Hashem, Hashem, please give me a Yetzirah. Give me some difficulty in fulfilling the mitzvahs. And therefore, he says, I'm going to make this great yontav for the rabbis if the halach will be like Rabbi Hanina, that God the voice, that someone who's commanded to do the mitzvahs gets greater reward than someone who volunteers. And in fact, Toysus in, in Kedushin explains what's the reason why someone who's commanded to do a mitzvah gets greater rewards. So he says it seems because the reason is that someone who's commanded to do something is better because he's constantly worried and, and, and takes great pains to ensure that he doesn't violate the mitzvahs more than someone who's doing it as, as a volunteer because the person's volunteering has a choice. If I want to do it, I can do it. If I don't feel like doing it, I won't do it. But the person who's commanded, he has to do it. And therefore, he, he he's quite worried. What's going to happen if I don't? If I don't do it, in fact. Tesis elsewhere in Abba gives a slightly different reason. He says that because as, because a person is worried and concerned about the mitzvah, so he's always going to want to fulfill fulfill the mitzvahs of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
So therefore, what Rabbi Yosef really wanted, why ask for difficulty for, for being, for rather being considered someone who was commanded to do the mitzvahs, was because he wanted to fight against his Yetzirah, and therefore for that, for overcoming and controlling and beating down the Yetzirah, for that, he can get, he can get rewards. So to summarize what we've learned so far, we're saying that when it comes to doing positive mitzvahs, there we do the mitzvahs simply because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted us to do it, Hashem commanded us to do it without any, any hope, any desire, any inkling of what the reward is going to be. And that's the only way to do it. However, when it comes to tests and temptations, so there, if one is faced with a temptation and stands up to it and is able to overcome the Yetzirah, the reward is, is tremendous. Obviously, it goes without saying that a person needs to be in a situation where he can be quite confident that he'll be over, that he'll be able to overcome the, the Yetzirah. There's no point in voluntarily putting yourself in a situation in order to overcome Yetzirah when there's an equal chance, perhaps even a, a greater chance, that one might succumb to the temptation. So obviously one has to be a strong enough person and know himself before making a decision like that. We're going to talk more about this after the break. This one, 1.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. There's so much more to talk about. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Re'ei, Erev Rosh Chodesh, We're about to get into the most charged month of the year as we prepare for Rosh Hashanah. And we're talking about doing reward for mitzvahs. So we spoke until now about the importance of in a situation where one's tempted to do something wrong and one overcomes it and controls it, then one can get one can get rewards. There's perhaps another idea that that is said actually over by the by the Yismach Moshe. Yismach Moshe argues that we know there are many, many mitzvahs and all of them have reasons, some that are known and some that are not so well known. Some things are only understood by, let's say, special Jews who might understand the reasons behind a certain mitzvah. There are other mitzvahs that are only known maybe to the greatest Tainoim, to Rav Shun ben Yochai and his, and his ilk, only they understand the mitzvah. There's some that even Moshe Beinu, uh, uh, didn't Understand that only Akkadish Baruch Hu understands. He says, when a person does a mitzvah simply for the reason that Hashem told us to do it, Hashem commanded to you it. So if so, that mitzvah is plugged in to the highest, highest level. That, that mitzvah is plugged in directly to Akkadish Baruch Hu. It completely transcends our seichel, our intellect has nothing to do with us. I don't know the reason. I don't have to know the reason. It doesn't make a difference what the reason is. I'm doing the mitzvah because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to do it. And that connects our mitzvah directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's as if we are, on, we are achieving the highest possible level with our mitzvah. If a person does a mitzvah using his own intellect, that he understands it, well, our intellect is limited, and therefore the mitzvah only connects on the level that our intellect can reach, and therefore it it, it doesn't go as far, and therefore the reward that we're not doing it for the reward, but the the reward we're going to get is much much less for the mitzvah because it's plugging in at a much much lower lower level. And he says based on on this yismach Moshe, that when we talk about someone who's mitzvah v'oisah, who's commanded to do a, a, a mitzvah, that means that the outcome of his actions and what he's able to achieve, that I call the tikkunim, that he's able to achieve by the mitzvahs that he does, the mit, that what he can achieve even in the upper worlds, 
It's much, much, much higher than someone who tries to do a mitzvah because he understands what it, what it's what it's about. And that was perhaps what Rabbi Yosef was saying that if I'm going to be commanded and I'm doing it just on that basis, I'm going to get much, much more reward. In other words, my my his intention was not to get more or less reward that he should get reward for the mitzvahs that he's done, but what can I achieve by my mitzvahs? I can achieve so much more in the upper world if I do it solely because Hashem commanded me to do it, not because of any other, any other, uh, any other reason. And there'll be nothing lacking in my mitzvahs. Perhaps we can further explain from what Chazal say. This concept of God said, greater is the person who's commanded to do something than someone who, who's not. You know, someone who's, does a mitzvah as a volunteer, he's not commanded, and he does it anyway. Of course, he's going to get reward for his actions. But he's not going to get the rewards of someone who's commanded to do the mitzvah, and that's a much greater reward. And perhaps you can say, you know, there are two kinds of rewards that one gets for fulfilling mitzvahs. One reward is the a, a practical uh, benefit that a person himself becomes a greater, a more exalted person by doing a mitzvah. He becomes more more spiritual. He becomes a better person. Right? And, and therefore his, his behavior, his whole attitude to life, everything about him will become much, much more refined. Secondly, an, another aspect of reward is the tremendous spiritual outpouring that comes from Shemayim through us fulfilling mitzvahs. Hashem pours down so much bracha to the world each time we fulfill mitzvahs. And therefore, someone who's not commanded to do a mitzvah and does it. So the reward that he gets is the physical reward that because he's done a mitzvah action, that changes him. He becomes a much greater, a much more exalted person. However, only the person who's mitzvah is commanded to do the mitzvah and does it, he merits to bring down this tremendous, tremendous outpouring of Hashem's goodness to this, to himself and to all of the Jewish, the Jewish nation. And perhaps we can connect this to the words of the Ramban in the Gemara in Kedushin, where he quotes Rabbi Natam regarding the issue that women are also able to fulfill mitzvah saseh, even though they are time-bound mitzvahs and normally women are exempt from time by mitzvahs, they still can do it. And the Ramban says, ah, you might want to ask, we say in the Yashami that someone who does something that he's not commanded to do is, 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 uh, is called, is, is not so praiseworthy. Why, why do it? So he says, no. There it's talking about if he does something that there's no mitzvah in the Torah to do at all. It's just an optional act. Right? And he's doing his own thing. Maybe he's adding on to Torah. That's not such a good thing to do. But someone who does the mitzvahs of the Torah properly, even though he's not commanded to do that, right? For instance, women and even non-Jews, they get tremendous reward because he says, the ways of the Torah are pleasantness, the wholeness and all the paths are paths of, of, of peace. Right? We 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 asking that women are allowed to miss this. In fact, for Ashkenazim, women even make a bracha and they say, who sanctified us and commanded to do the mitzvah. So what does Rabban mean? So perhaps you can say that the intention of Rabban is that if someone is not commanded to do a mitzvah and nevertheless does it,
He merits this reward of the Torah's ways are so pleasant. In other words, that through fulfilling the mitzvah, they become so much more exalted, so much more beautiful, so much more respected, so much more vaunted and, 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 and greater in every aspect of their own behavior, of their own reputation, of their own standing in the world. And in fact, the, the Miri says this also in, in Babakama. He says, someone who's exempt from mitzvahs and nevertheless wants to do them, he has full permission to do so. However, he wants to say as far as the bracha is concerned, some say that they can make a bracha and some, as we said before, argue and say that they should not make, make a bracha. The Meiris disagrees with those who say that you should not make a bracha. And he says, you already explained this uh, elsewhere, but nevertheless, it's always true that someone who's commanded to a mitzvah is greater than someone who's not. And he says, in, in, in the Medrash it says, that anyone who's exempt from something and does it, uh, is, is not so praiseworthy. And he says, that's only uh, a matter that, as we said, is not, that everybody is part of from. That's something that's not a mitzvah. Something that's not a mitzvah, that's some optional conduct, okay? So there's no big cons in, in doing, in doing, uh, in doing that. But, if he does a mitzvah, then that's very, very exalted. So perhaps we can go back now to, to, to Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef says that if I was commanded, I would get so much more reward. It doesn't mean on the personal reward that he, that he receives. Because the personal reward that he receives, we said, is the same whether he's commanded or not. He becomes an, an exalted great person every time he does a mitzvah, irrespective of whether he's commanded or not. But his intention was to explain to his Talmudim on the other outcome that happens through a person doing mitzvahs. And, and the, the, the tremendous distinction that exists between someone who does a mitzvah because he's commanded to a, to a volunteer. Because when a person is not commanded to do, to do the mitzvah, so then, yes, he himself becomes a greater, much more exalted person. But someone who's commanded has the additional element of schar that he brings down to himself and to the whole world about, around him. Tremendous, tremendous outpouring of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, uh, uh, blessing. If this is true, so now we can actually go and explain a Gemara in Sanhedrin which says, we ask a question. Rameya used to say, how do we know that even a non-Jew, if he learns Torah, that he can be like the Kohen Gadol. As he quotes a pasuk in the Torah, it says, Asher ya'aseh oisam ha'odam bochaybahem, things that a person will do and live through them. And he's talking about, it says, Koyanim, Levim, Yisraelim, it's not talking about, it's, it says ha'odam, asher ya'aseh ha'odam, all of mankind. And he says, this teaches us that even a non-Jew who learns Torah, you can be like the Kohen Gadol. And obviously we're talking about his seven mitzvahs, because we're talking, the, 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 the non-Jew, the only Torah he's allowed to learn is about the seven mitzvahs which he's commanded to do. And, and it seems mind-boggling. How could we compare a, a non-Jew who learns his seven mitzvahs to a Kohen Gadol? Why that specifically? So based on what we're saying, it actually makes very good sense. Because certainly that a, a non-Jew in fulfilling his mitzvahs, he wouldn't have the ability to bring down the tremendous outpouring of Hashem's goodness to the world. But the reality of someone who fulfills mitzvahs is that you become a better person. You become a greater, more sensitive, more exalted, more in touch, more connected person. That can apply to everybody. Right? And, and, and you can become a, a, a greater person than you ever were before. That even applies to a, a non-Jew who fulfills the mitzvahs. And therefore, 
He is comparable to the Kohen Gadol. Why? Because the Kohen Gadol represents the, the, the person who is most exalted, the most superior person in his attributes, in his, in his character traits, and in his behavior. As in fact the Pasuk says, Kisisse Kohen Yishmudas. The, 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 the lips of the Kohen guard knowledge. Taira Tavak Tivak Shumipiyu. Seek Taira Thmim. Why? Kimalach Hashem the Kohen Gadol is like an angel of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Kohen Gadol needs to be the most choice, the most, the most incredible, outstanding character amongst all of his brethren, both in his strength, even, even physical strength, his wisdom, he has to be good looking, he has to be wealthy. We said that that uh, if he had all the other attributes and he didn't have money, his fellow Kainim would chip in and make him wealthy so he could be completely, completely uh, uh, exalted. And maybe that's what Romero is saying. Who's comparing a non-Jew who learns Torah to the Kain Gado that he merits to be as great and as perfect and as outstanding in his own personal character traits, in his own personal life, perhaps even as the Kohen Gadol, as the Kohen Gadol might, might, uh, might be. And that's an amazing, amazing, uh, uh, idea. But it goes further than that because if we are motivated to do mitzvahs not for the right reason, the ramifications can be, can be shocking. Yimon Yuma says that there was a woman called Kimchis. And Kimchis had seven sons, and all of them merited to be Kainim Gedolim, the high priests. So the Chacham said to her, like, what did you do? How did you merit such an amazing thing that all of your children were worthy of being high priests? She said to them, Miyamai, my entire life, Loiro, Koros, Beisi, Kale, Sari. I never had my hair uncovered in the house. The walls of my house never saw my my uncovered hair. And they said, they said to her, many other people have done this also. And it didn't, it, it didn't, it didn't help. So the Beni Shchai writes in Ben Yoyada, he says, uh, 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 what, is, what does it mean? What, what, what a Chazal trying to tell us? <coughs> that many did like this and it didn't, and it didn't help. He says as follows. Many other people tried to act as, as discreetly as she did in order to gain some tremendous benefit by doing so. Because we know that, that sneers, that modesty, it has a school has the ability to bring a person even to the to the merits where they can be kind and gedayim, and therefore since that was their intention, it didn't it didn't hurt it didn't it didn't help them they didn't achieve what they wanted, and that's what it means what what the uh, what the Yushami, uh, uh says they they say that all the others, all the other people, they were kimcha, kimcha means flower, was <coughs> kemach, was sort of coarse flower. The kimcha, the kimchis silas, but the flower of this lady, kimchis, that was pure, pure refined flower. And what, and what the Yishami means is, because as we said, uh, silas, fine flower, there's no bran in it. It's absolutely perfect. But kemach, there is brand mixed it. In other words, all the thoughts of all the other people who tried to use Tznius as a means of achieving greatness, so that's imperfect, because they were doing it for another reason, to, to get greatness, to get out of their out of their sons. But this lady, Kimcha, was pure flower. She did it absolutely for the right reason, for the reason that, that that's where a woman's supposed to act and not for any other motivation. In fact, it's brought that many mitzvahs. Let's say, for example, it's brought that the mitzvah of Neres Hanukkah has a special school, a special ability to bring a person tremendous wealth. So all of us light 
uh, Hanukkah candles, how come many of us are still not wealthy? So the Sif Tzaddik answers, because in order to get the wealth, one has to do the mitzvah properly, completely and totally, L'Shem Shemayim, not for any other personal reason. Such a person who would do the mitzvah completely Shem Shemayim, he would be able to get that outpouring of wealth. But someone who is doing it with the intention of hopefully becoming wealthy, he loses out on that element of not doing it L'Shem Shemayim. We saw by the, uh, by the, uh, the Kayin who, who merited to bring the Ketiris also to, uh, merited tremendous wealth. As it says, Baruch Hashem Chela Hashem get benched his army. And nevertheless, was every single person who brought the Ketiris wealthy? Mistamed? No. In order to get that wealth, you had to be doing the mitzvah without even half an eye. On the wealth, it would have to be done completely and totally, l'shem l'shem shemayim, and that perhaps is the reason also it's brought in the uh, minhagim of the maril that the the sandakos the the mitzvah of holding a baby at the time of the bris, so we don't give it more than once in, in a certain family to the same the same person, in the same way as the coin as the Kayin, who was given the privilege of bringing the Keteris, only did it once and never got a second chance. So too by the Sandakos. Why? Because again, being a Sandak also has the tremendous skula of bringing a person personal wealth. And the Ramah brings down uh, uh, that uh, that's in fact what uh, what happens. But the going brings down that we don't find that every Sandik becomes wealthy. So perhaps we can, un- we can say, because yes, of course there is this skula of Sandikos to bring wealth. But if a person even has, as I say, I owed up a thought and said, ah, oh, I might become wealthy, he loses that skula. It only when you do the mitzvah completely and totally, the shame shamayim, will a person get that, that stated, that stated reward. This is 11.9, Chai FM. The program is soul to soul. Please stay with us. There's lots more coming. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM's <clears throat> Soul to Soul. Back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Parshas Re'eh. Erev Rosh Kodesh As we usher in the final, the ultimate month of the year, Tafshin Pei Beis. Elo, this is a banner. Shabbos, Shabbos, and Shabbos Rosh Kodesh. As we always do at this point, let's just discuss the important times and details we need to know for this week. So this afternoon, the earliest time for lighting one's Shabbos candles is at 4.41, right, 19 minutes before 5. One can already light the Shabbos candles, and especially as we start Kodesh Elul, and we want to show our Kodesh Baruch Hu how eager we are to do his mitzvahs and how important it is, it is for us <coughs> to connect ourselves and align ourselves with our Kaddish Baruch Hu. So, of course, if you can manage to start Shabbos earlier than the latest possible time, that's great. Even if you can't manage 441, let's try to get it as early as possible. The latest time for benching Lich uh, this afternoon is at 535, 25 to 6 is the latest time. So even if you can't get 4.41, let's go for 5 o'clock or 5.15 or even half past 5. Get it up a little bit early. Let's get some time to perhaps say it next to Perak of, of Tehillim. There's so much to daven for nationally, for Klai Yisrael, in our own, in our own lives. So let's take the opportunity to welcome in this Shabbos with a little bit extra seriousness, a little bit extra devotion, a little bit extra effort 
to to make this Kabbalah Shabbos very, very special. Shkia tonight is then at 5.53, which is your absolute latest injury time of Chas Hashem. There's some crisis, and you can't manage to get everything finished before 5.35. 5.53 is the absolute uh, latest. And therefore, if you want to dive in Mayrev, after night and not after repeat the Krishna, so one has to wait till about six, eleven, eleven minutes past six. That's already night as far as Krishna is concerned, and we can daven Mayrev and say Krishna, and then sit down with the family to a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos meal. Again, a special meal. It's Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh always when there's a double zchus in Shabbos. It gives it so much more extra. Some people even have the minig to have an extra kugel when there's a special Shabbos. But whatever you do, I'm sure it's going to be beautiful and warm and and uh, and wonderful. Have the family together, sing some zeminos, say some divrei Torah, make it a really really special and wonderful and wonderful Shabbos. Tomorrow morning, of course, it's Rosh Chodesh, so both by Meirav. And in Shachris, we say Yalav Yavoy, both in the Mayrav, in, in Benching, and of course in Shachris, we say Halel, because it's, it's a Rosh Chodesh, and, uh, we also then will lay this week Pashas Re'eh, which of course is so appropriate for Hashem says, I'm giving you the opportunity. I'm giving you to earn the opportunity to earn for yourself the greatest blessing. And Chasashon to lose it all. How? Hayyim. By, by taking advantage of today and making today the most incredible and special day it possibly could, could, uh, could be. Then, of course, uh, we take out two Sifrei Torah because it's Rosh Chodesh and read the Maftir from the uh, laning of, of Rosh Chodesh. The Haftarah, this Shabbos, although, of course, this is the time when we read the special seven Haftarahs of comfort, because today is Rosh Chodesh, we, we defer the normal Haftarah of Pasha Sra'ei and, in fact, read the Haftarah that we normally read on on uh, Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, the very last chapter in the book of Yeshaya. And what about Aftarah? We're, we're missing Aftarah, the beautiful Aftarah of, uh, of, uh, of Rani Vesimchi Bas Tzion, oh, sorry, of, of Ania Sayara, uh, which we should read, uh, uh, tomorrow. So what we'll do is in two weeks time, where the after is, uh, where the after is Rani Akara. So these two afteras are actually right next to each other in Yeshaya 54. So that we will just have a slightly long after. They're both not very long pieces. We'll read them both together and thus we'll still manage to read all seven of the afteras of comfort. But yet tomorrow we'll read the after of Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh. Of course, because the Shabbos Rosh Chodesh is a special Musaf Shman Esrei, where it talks about the, the, the service and the Kabbalists that were brought not only on Shabbos, but also on, uh, on, on Rosh Chodesh. And then, of course, many shuls have ceremonies, things they do special on, on, on Shabbos Rosh Chodesh in the afternoon. Perkayavis, we're going to read this week Perik. Hey, the fifth Perik. Of, of Pirkeyavis. And then, uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 6.25, 25 minutes past 6. But of course, that then just ushers in the second day of Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Elul is always two days. Shabbos and Sunday, and of course at Meir of tomorrow night, after the Tefillah is over, for the very first time, we're going to say Kapitel Chav Zion 27, in Tehillim David Hashem Oyrev Yishi, which will, please God, continue to say all the way up to and including, including Shmini, Shmini Atzeres, some 51 days uh, away. And of course, tomorrow, uh, uh, on Sunday, Sunday morning, of course, is we'll have a Rosh Chodesh davening and we'll blow Shafer for the first time 
in El, just to start waking us up, just to start arousing us, just to start getting us moving towards what we have to achieve between now and 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 uh, and Rosh Hashanah, slightly more than four weeks weeks away. So we are beginning a new section in Hilchas Shabbos. We're going to begin our our general introduction to the fundamentals of the Malachas. We finished, Baruch Hashem, all the protocols of, of Shabbos, welcoming Shabbos, lighting candles, Kiddush, and the meals, and, and the davening, and Havdalah, and Labalka. So now we can move on to, to the, uh, the, uh, perhaps more complicated, uh, 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 certainly the more intricate parts of Hilchas Shabbos, the, the Malachas, the things that we have to be careful and guard and protect as we, as we keep our, our holy, our holy Shabbos. And we know that it's a special mitzvah, positive mitzvah, to rest on Shabbos from any kind of productive work. It's based on a pasuk where it says, Sheshis Yamim Taise Masecha. Six days a week you shall do what you need to do. And on the seventh day you must rest. Now, and anyone, God forbid, who would do any of these forbidden activities on, on, uh, on Shabbos. So not only has he actually negated and violated a positive mitzvah, because he was told to rest and he didn't rest, but also he violates a negative mitzvah because it says actually in the Aseret Adibrit, in the Ten Statements, it says the Yom HaShvi Shabbos Lashem Nakecha, the seven days shall be a Shabbos Lashem, Loi Sasa Kom Locha. You're not allowed to do any, any work. And in the time of the, of the, uh, Beis Mikdash, where there was a Sanhedrin, a high court that could enforce the halacha, if a person broke one of those malachas and there were two witnesses who witnessed him about to do a, a, a activity forbidden on Shabbos and they warn him not to do it because what he's doing, what he's about to do is a, a violation of the laws of Shabbos. And in spite of that, he went in front of them and violated and performed that act which they told him not to. So he, they actually would have the right, and not only right, the obligation to take him to the basin. And once convicted, he could be put to death by stoning. And if there were no witnesses, but he still, he did it on purpose wantonly. So then Hashem would sort them out with a punishment called karet, a very, very serious punishment where where uh, he would die before his time and his children would die. Again, based on a pasuk in Pashas Kisisa, it says, Ushimatem is a Shabbos. God the Shabbos. Ki koide It's holy for you. Mechalaleo mois yumas. Anyone who breaks the Shabbos will surely die. Anyone who does any malacha, such a person will suffer the punishment of, of, of Kares. We'll be back with a few more notes as we, uh, wrap up today's shear. We're going to take a break now. The 101.9 Chai FM, the program is sold to soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, sold to sold back on your way to Air Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Re'eh. We're talking about the fundamentals of Melacha on Shabbos. We said, when someone does something on purpose, then there's a punishment possibly of death, either by Bezdin or in the hands of Hashem himself. If a person does one of these activities by mistake... So then he has to bring a, a korban, a, a, a sin offering to the, to the Beis HaMikdash. Now, even though we know that it's, it's, uh, required to rest from any productive labor, the Torah actually explicitly mentions four types of labor. 
plowing, harvesting, lighting a fire, and carrying. And they're psukim. One in, in Pasha's Kisisa, say, uh, six days you shall work, seven days you shall rest, you shall desist from plowing and harvesting. And we learn from this that even those mulachs that are so essential, such as producing food that a person needs, right, because uh, that's how we manage to produce food from the ground and prepare it, still those are forbidden on, on Shabbos. Also, it mentions the malacha of lighting a fire, Says, one cannot kindle a fire wherever you live on Shabbos. And Achachaman tell us that this malacha is mentioned in order to teach us that for every single malacha we do, there's a separate and unique and individual obligation for each one. Let's say if a person, even in one activity, did two separate, violated two separate categories of work, even if he did it by mistake, so he's going to have to bring two separate sin sin offerings, right, as uh, we follow the opinion of, 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 of Rav Nassim. Furthermore, it mentions the Moloch of carrying, in, uh, in Pasha's Beshalach, says, stay where you are and don't leave your place on Shabbos, and this Moloch is mentioned explicitly in order that we should know that even that this malacha is is seemingly a very light malacha because it's the only one of the malachas where there's no uh, intrinsic change made in the object. I cook something. I'm taking something raw and making it cooked. I harvest something. I take something, connect to the ground and disconnect it. There's no fundamental change that takes place in the object itself. Nevertheless, that is also included in the category of those things that are forbidden on the on the on Shabbos, when we talk about the prohibition of work, so of course we're talking about something creative, like that's similar to the activities that were done at the time the Mishkan, the movable tab- tabernacle, was being constructed. But anything that has no creation, that's not in any way creative, making something new. So even if there's a tremendous physical labor involved in it, that would not be forbidden. In other words, uh, if I carry a needle from my house into a, a, a public area, I'm, I'm violating a malacha. But if I feel like schlepping the heaviest table in the world around my house for the entire Shabbos, I have not actually violated any malacha at, uh, at, at, at all. Okay, we're going to stop here. There's lots, lots more to say. We'll be busy with this for a little while. But just to take the opportunity, first of all, to thank every one of you for being part of our radio show and to wish everyone associated, listening, whatever device, wherever you might be, a beautiful, warm, inspiring good Shabbos, a good Chodesh, and may this Chodesh Elul be one that really inspires us, that causes us to grow and change and become more contributive, more involved, more demonstrative people of our love of our Kodesh Baruch Hu, of our relationship with our Kodesh Baruch Hu, and of our desire to come as close as possible to Hashem, to each and every one of our radio family, a good Shabbos and a good Chodesh.